Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in the Pac-12 is brought to you by MyBookie. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or just keep walking? Of course you take that money. So why would you keep picking winners and not bet on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. The other day, a group of my friends and I were hanging out, arguing about football games. And as I was arguing with them, I realized something. I was making really, really good points. But just sitting there arguing was pointless because I wasn't winning any money off of this. Now, just like you, or I hope just like you, I love winning money. And winning an argument is one thing, but applying the same logic to win money, well, that's a whole nother thing. So I did what any smart person would do, and I went to my bookie. Let me tell you, winning a three-team parlay feels way better than winning an argument with one of my friends. At the end of the day, it's about doing what's smart, and the smart thing, if you're going to bet this football season, is to bet with my bookie. Use my promo code REPLY to activate the offer. That's promo code REPLY, R-E-P-L-Y. Visit mybookie.ag today. That's mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. After a quick audio detour, Ryan Leaf and I will be back with some Pac-12 football. Episode number two of Believe in the Pac-12, Ryan Leaf, Jonathan Rifkin, happy to be with you on another lovely day. Last podcast we previewed, or actually we talked about what happened during week one, an unsurprising and somewhat disappointing week for the Pac-12, but week two hopefully uh, will show a little bit more of what we expect. And for you, Ryan, I want to know what your biggest um, outlook is on week two for the Pac-12. Well, for me, it's going to be uh, how they do in the in the, the bigger non-conference games, which for me, the only one truly is Nebraska, Colorado. Nebraska is going to come into Boulder in a historic uh, Big Eight matchup uh, games that that everybody looked forward to seeing. Uh, a year ago, LaVisca Chenault came on the scene by roughing up Nebraska in, in, in Lincoln and Scott Frost's team and, and became a Heisman Trophy candidate. This time, they come to town. Now, Nebraska didn't look entirely that great against South Alabama uh, last week. Uh, they bring, uh, they bring a, a system with, with Martinez that's, that's pretty darn good. Uh, Colorado impressed me a ton. So I'm not just you know chalking this one up as a loss. This is going to be wildly entertaining and, and fun for fun for everybody to watch. The biggest games for me this upcoming weekend are the two conference games, and it's big ones. Stanford USC, which is always a good one, and always usually a determining factor on uh, you know what team can can get to the top. And the other one for me is Washington Cal. I wanted to see Jacob Eason play. He hadn't played since his freshman year at Georgia. hadn't played in over two years. He stepped on the field against Eastern Washington and looked like what they've been looking for in a, uh, for a long time at the quarterback position, at least since Jake Browning's second year when they went to the college football playoff. Cal looked kind of like Cal. They looked like Justin Wilcox. Tough defense, gets turnovers, run the football, 
don't turn it over at the quarterback position. That's who they are. Um, they played Washington mid-season last year, mid to late season last year, and they just confounded them with their defense. Uh, and, and this is week two. So it's going to be a giant test for Jacob Eason. It's going to be a giant test for Justin Wilcox going back up to face his old, his old mentor and coach, Chris Peterson. Uh, I think those two games for me are the most um, telling. The San Diego State-UCLA game is going to be telling for me because all in all, I'd say UCLA should dominate this football game, but the way they looked against uh, a Cincinnati team, and now they're going to go up against a, a unique defense in Rocky Long. It's at home at the Rose Bowl. It will be, you know. You know 30% full probably. Yeah, 30% if yeah. not half full, which it feels like it's empty. Uh, that's hard to do. It's hard to do, and then they got to, and who knows, they may be looking ahead to Oklahoma a little bit coming to town in, uh, a week after that. Week three for the Pac-12 conference is going to tell us what the national storylines are. This week's going to tell us a lot about what the Pac-12 storylines are. I mean, San Diego State beat Weber State, an FCS opponent, last week 6 nothing. They have a, a field they goal. They beat in them 6-0. 6-0. They had a, a field goal in the second and a field goal in the fourth, and that was it. I mean, you look at the box score of this game, and it was 108 passing yards um, and 130 <laughs> rushing yards between four different running backs, and that was it. I mean, they really couldn't do anything against Weber State. And by the way, Weber State is on the lower end of the FCS scale out of the Big Sky. They projected went to uh, be fifth in the conference. So for San Diego State, I mean, this is a statement game for them. They typically have a very good running attack. UCLA, that defensive line just looks abysmal out there for all intents and purposes. Um, so this could be a trap game for them, but it's also a game for them to sort of build some chemistry on offense, get back on track, and hopefully uh, get a win under their belt. I want to go quickly here to the Hawaii-Oregon State game. It's not telling because it's Hawaii-Oregon State, but will Hawaii go 2-0 and against the Pac-12 this season? Yeah. It's, you know, I wouldn't probably have said that at first. I think I attributed a, a win to Oregon State here in the preseason when I when I predicted my my outcomes, and after watching what Hawaii was able to do to a to an Arizona team, I I would not be surprised if this if this Hawaii team is able to. If anything, it's, it's probably going to be a pretty a pretty big shootout, is what I'm thinking, you know. Um, and then you add in the travel of having to go there, uh, and, and the time change, all of the stuff that plays into it. It's a disadvantage for the uh, a Beaver team that simply couldn't stop uh, Oklahoma State a week ago. So. I don't know where they're going to go at the quarterback position in Hawaii. Uh, Cole McDonald's very, very, very good yet. They decided to bench him because apparently the coach felt he was just too careless with the football. Um, and they ended up winning that football game against Arizona at the, at, you know, at the, the fi- on the final play. Um, I think it's, it's super telling for this Oregon State team to, under Jonathan Smith, where I think there has been a culture shift and a culture change, but they have not – they have not contributed in any more winning, and that's ultimately what they want to do. The only way he keeps his job and the way they move forward is that they win football games. And if they're going to be a two and ten or a three and nine football team every year, you know, I no one's resolute with that. No one, no one wants to be that. And, and Jonathan Smith, in, in such a great homecoming story, will be out on his ass if that's the case. Cedric Bird, the second last week for. Hawaii had 14 receptions, 224 yards, and four touchdowns. He is Cole McDonald's favorite target. I expect that Oregon State will hopefully um, not leave him in single coverage because he'll more likely than not beat you. Um, but Oregon State's defense typically uh, lapses, especially against teams that throw the ball. 
the thing is, I'd like to see him put him in. I'd like to see him man it up because he he just gutted through the zone of Arizona yeah. a week ago. You know, he was just running free. At least if you put somebody on him, you have a chance to to knock the football down. The only problem is I don't know if Oregon State has the bodies to play man coverage. Um, a lot of teams aren't. You know, Stanford is one of those. You know, they're able to do it. There's some other teams in this conference that are able to play solid man coverage. Cal is able to do that. They're able to bring blitzes and, and, and play man coverage because they have talented defensive backs on the back end. Oregon State just struggles defensively, and, and they knew that was the thing they had to address in the offseason. They tried with their recruiting, but it's going to take some time. You can't just assume guys are going to step in and do the things that they need to right away. Um, you know, a step in the right direction for me was to limit the, the amount of points per game, and it was around 45 points a game a year ago, and to allow Oklahoma State at home 52 in week one, uh, you know, tells me it's it's not necessarily going in the direction they wanted to go. And Hawaii scored 45 last week against Arizona. Oregon State, I wouldn't say their defense is that much better. So who knows what's going to happen in that game, but it's going to be high scoring. I can tell you that much. A lot of uh, rushing attack, I'm sure, for Hawaii as well. Oregon's, uh, Oregon State's defensive line has just been depleted. Last year, they were 127th uh, defending the rush, and the season doesn't seem to be too different after giving almost 400 rushing yards away last weekend. Um, I want to maneuver over here. Um, to the the Cal-Washington game because I think that this also could be a trap game. I know Cal isn't highly touted. I know Jacob Eason was phenomenal last week. Trap game for who? For Washington. I don't think Washington's going to lose, and I could see the smile they're in not, their face. They're not, they're not going to let that happen because they got embarrassed last year. Right. Well, that's why I'm saying. I think that, look, Cal has – when you have confidence knowing – you're in Fox Sports 1. You have confidence knowing that you won last year. I know you're on the road this season in Washington – and there's no room for error if you're a cow because you basically have to play a perfect game to win it. Um, but Washington does have their own uh, set of problems that they need to work out in week two playing this game. You know, week four, week five, I would say Washington no problem. But I think during week two, it's going to be – it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a different story, but it makes me sit here and wonder, well, can Cal actually steal this one away again? Well, I think that Cal is going to do something this year. I said it – I said it long ago, I don't think they're good enough yet to, to win the Pac-12 North, but they're going to decide who wins the North. They are. They're going to beat a Stanford. They're going to beat a, a Washington State. They're going to beat a Washington. They're going to beat somebody this year that, that's going to decipher who wins the Pac-12 North. And this is their first shot at it, right? They've got to play all three of them. And uh, this will be the team. Um, last year, they just, they just you know put the top on, on, on Jake Browning. And, and suffocated him and made him make poor throws enough to the point where Chris Peterson felt it was necessary to try to inject some new life and put Jake Hayner in the football game. And Jake Hayner looked overwhelmed because everybody looks overwhelmed against a Cal defense. And he throws an interception to Earl Weaver or uh, uh, to, to Weaver and who, who, who takes it back to the house and what ends up being the winning touchdown. So I don't think that Washington at any point this week is going to be overlooking this game. In fact, they've had this one circled on their schedule since the schedule came out and they knew they were playing them in week two. Uh, for me, it's about Cal and Chase Garbers and his ability to uh, produce offensively. He's just struggled offensively, but he was a true freshman. This is his second year. He was better. He threw for like 200-plus 200, 200 yards passing. The running game was there. The score doesn't necessarily look like they you know, they beat up on an FCS opponent in UC Irvine. Um, I'm sorry, UC, UC Davis. Davis. UC yeah. Davis last week. So, you know, I, I want to see more from him. Um, what I saw defensively, which people thought may be a big question mark for Washington, 
wasn't. These guys are re-upping. They're not reloading. This is uh, a recruiting animal that Chris Peterson has put into play when he took the job, and it continues to bear fruit. And this football team is is, is rip-roaring and ready for this big game on, on, on Saturday night. I mean, here's what Cal relies on. They rely on the run. 36 rushing attempts for Christopher Brown Jr. last week, 197 yards and a touchdown. But you look at the Washington defensive line, Benning Potea, He's really, really good. Big guy. He had two sacks last week. Out in the linebacker's uh, position, they have Ryan Bowman. He's really quick off the edge. And they have another defensive lineman, Josiah Bronson. I mean, these three guys alone are going to lead the, the defensive uh, rush or trying to stifle the rushing attempt attack on defense. And it's going to be hard for Christopher Brown to accumulate almost 200 yards, much less probably 100 yards against this defensive line and the linebackers, which means Chase Garbers has to throw the ball. And he has to be successful doing it. And I don't know... If he's comfortable, I mean, we saw him last year. His first game was against Oregon. I called that game out in Cal. Um, they, he split time, and he doesn't look – I mean, he looked more comfortable in the pocket against UC Davis than he did all of last season, but it's UC Davis. I mean, like you said, it's an FCS opponent. They're a formidable FCS opponent, but it's an FCS opponent nonetheless. It's not Washington. It's not the same defensive line. It's not the same coaching scheme, and I don't know if they're going to be uh, as successful running the ball, which means he's going to have to throw, and if he doesn't throw – I don't know. I think he has to eclipse 300 yards. I don't think he can throw an interception. Um, and he has to make sure that he finds the end zone when they're in the red zone because otherwise Washington's going to run all over them. Like I said, I wouldn't be necessarily super surprised if Cal ended up trapping Washington and winning it, um, but Cal has to play a near-perfect game to do it. Yeah, I mean, to, to beat Washington, they're going to have to play as good as they can. Defensively, they're, they'll have a game plan ready. I mean, they'll be prepared on how to stop Washington. Uh, the unknown of, of Jacob Easton is probably going to limit Justin Wilcox a little. But he'll have a plan ready. He will. He definitely didn't show his hand this week in his first game because he know what this he knows what this defense has. Ashton Davis, Cam Bynum, defensively they are as good as Luke Beckett and Weaver. Defensively they're as good as they as anybody in the conference. They may lead the conference in total defense uh, along with with Utah. It's got to be a perfect game. He can't. You're right. Chase Garbers cannot turn the football over. But it it doesn't have to necessarily be a perfect game. If they just limit possessions for both teams and this is what they do Justin Wilcox has a very similar mindset to Herm Edwards in limiting possessions in games and almost turning it into an NFL type football game where you get to the fourth quarter and we're talking about a possession each on who and, and who decides to win the football game that's what Justin Wilcox has been really good at uh, and, and it's a big reason why he got extended for another another three years this offseason um, I think this is the year they take the big step um, they get over teams like Washington State they get over teams like Stanford late in the year and I think they're an 8-4 and four football team. I still don't think they get it done up in Seattle. I think that the fact that the, these, these Huskies have had this game circled for a long, long time is, is pretty meaningful. And uh, they're, they're looking for revenge on Mount Lake this weekend. So you alluded earlier when we opened up the podcast here. Ryan Leaf, Jonathan Rifkin, believe in the Pac-12. By the way, rate, review, subscribe. Feel free to talk with us um, on the iTunes comments or tweet at us on Twitter. You alluded to Stanford USC as being one of the most impactful games of week two. Week three, obviously, the national headlines, but week two um, featuring this game more so than any anything else. It's at USC. This game typically sells out the Coliseum. And the Coliseum, I mean, I was at the game, like I said, uh, last week when they played Fresno State. I mean, it was full by halftime, but at the second half, these, these fans trickle out and there's empty seats everywhere. This game typically packs the Coliseum. I think now with the quarterback situation, it's going to be a little bit underwhelming but it doesn't take away from the importance of this game. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be underwhelming. I think it's going to make it more competitive. 
Um, it depends on if KJ Costello is able to play. We we don't know quite yet if if uh, his head injury from last week's game against Northwestern is going to keep him out, and we're going to see essentially battle of the backups. Uh, talent wise, USC you know USC rules the roost when it comes to talent. Now it's it's always about what you do with that talent and. I had questions around the air raid offense and what they were going to be able to do to distribute the football to the you know five star type receivers at skill position positions, and whether they were going to be open to sharing the football. You know, eleven catches for Tyler Vaughn's last week in comparison to what the other guys got. Are they going to see that as a slight? Are they going to see that? Oh, my turn will come next week when you know I'm the one that gets the eleven catches. You know, and and, and they're okay to share the rock that way. That was always my biggest question mark with the air raid being at. Uh, at USC, uh, and then you're talking about a, 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 you know, a quarterback who's only had a certain amount of time in this system, and this system is all about repetition, repetition. That's why Anthony Gordon was so darn good last night, or so so darn good last week, is because he's been in this offense for three years. He's watched Luke Folk run it to perfection. He's watched Gardner Minshew run it to perfection. He knows exactly where he needs to go with the football, and he and and, and Mike Leach makes it as simple as possible, and that's why they've been so successful. They they normally in the past, haven't beat up on these first, you know, first game opponents. They've lost games to Eastern Washington, lost games to Portland State. Uh, they're they're doing something special up on the Palouse, and Clay Helton wants a little bit of that magic, and that's why he hired first Cliff Kingsbury and then ultimately the Graham Harrell, and uh, they're both going to be saddled to most likely a freshman quarterback unless they unless they bring in Sears out of the transfer portal to you know try to save this season because. There are five games or four games out of the next five for the USC Trojans uh, where they have to find out ways to win because they're not going to be favored, I don't think, in any of them. And that are those are Stanford, Utah, Washington, Notre Dame. Those are four games that uh, are just absolutely brutal for them, especially if they have a freshman quarterback playing. I think Stanford, uh, you know, outplays them whether they have K.J. Costello or not. I, I just think it's going to be a struggle this season for USC, and it's a matter of whether they decide to move on from Clay Helton earlier rather than later. But really, what do you do? You know, you, you can't bring in somebody midseason to be your head coach. Uh, I don't know what the fan base will deal with, but we're going to find out in a hurry. I don't think anybody walked away from uh, the win against Fresno State and thought, wow, we're back. Uh, they're going to be pretty special this year. In fact, losing the quarterback, and then almost getting caught at the end by a team like Fresno State makes you have a lot more questions going into week two. And, I mean, the play calling, last year that was one of the biggest criticisms for Clay Helton's staff, and last night, fourth and one with 2.23 left in the game, up by eight, and they go for it, and they didn't get it. Um, and that was perhaps one of the most questionable calls I've ever seen, and I went to a school that Marcus Arroyo calls the play calling for the offense. I mean, we could talk about Oregon running the ball with a – a, a potential Heisman candidate at the quarterback all we want. But, I mean, you, you just can't make decisions like that because those are potentially uh, detrimental decisions. Luckily for USC, they walked away with the win, but it wasn't pretty. As you said, Fresno State had an opportunity to come back and tie the game. They didn't. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't pretty. By the way, Stanford, no more J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, their leading receiver. He's gone. They replaced him basically with Connor Weddington, who um, I'm not going to say is as good. He's about two inches smaller or shorter rather, but he's still pretty good. He has big hands. He can run routes pretty well. Um, and I think that's going to make it easier, whether it is David Mills in the back or at quarterback or KJ Costello going against USC. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
Cameron Scarlett out of the backfield. They all, David Shaw, or rather Brian Shaw, excuse me, knows how to run the ball. David Shaw. It is David Shaw. Brian Shaw is the NBA coach. <laughs> uh, David Shaw knows how to run the ball. They always consistently recruit offensive linemen who who know how to uh, open up the A gap for their running backs. Twenty two rushing yards, ninety or twenty two attempts rather, ninety seven rushing yards last week for Cameron Scarlett out of the backfield. Um, I think they'll do it again. I think they'll be able to run the ball against USC. They'll certainly be able to throw the ball against USC. It's whether or not USC. Um, with Slovis at quarterback or JT Daniels, but I doubt it, um, will be able to respond in a favorable fashion. So I guess we kind of covered the bigger games. Oregon-Nevada, um, I expect Oregon to win this game at home. Nevada's, co- Nevada's coming off a, a, an emotional, uh, you know, emotional big win. 57-yarder, right? With, with, with a Purdue team that had to come up and play up near Reno, Nevada there, and they won on a late field goal. Uh, Nevada always gives people problems. Oregon's going to be pissed, you know, though. They're going to – we're going to see either a response in the form of, you know, like mass destruction or we're going to see some, uh, you know, we'll, we're going to see how they respond. And, and if I know Mario Cristobal as well as I think I do, he is going to have this team ready to play and, and put a beating uh, on, a, on this team. And they're going to – then they play Montana in week three and then they got to go do the Stanford game. Uh, like they do every year, so uh, it was a it was just a soul sucking type of loss for them a week ago against an Auburn team that they clearly outplayed uh, pretty much for the four quarters, and uh, they got they got hesitant, they got um, conservative, they did not run play action like they did a year ago, which makes Justin Herbert is is about as unstoppable as anybody when you when he's able to put his back to the defense, turn around and hit those layers down the football field. That's where he was so successful. A year ago, a lot of pay, a lot of people are blaming uh, a lot of this on him and the fact that he just you know heaved the ball ten yards outside the end zone to to end the game on the hail mary. But you know, of course, that you, you can't break it down a game to to one play. They'll do the job they need to there. Uh, we talked about Nebraska, Colorado a little bit. Um, Northern Arizona and Arizona. Northern Arizona is a very good football team. I spent uh, a couple days there. Uh, at Northern Arizona during their camp this this season, they're excited about this game. If anybody knows Kevin Sumlin, it's Chris Ball. They were roommates at Washington State together as GAs, so they go back a long, long way. And then the other game that we haven't really you know talked about um, is Northern Illinois versus Utah. A year ago, the game came down to really about a, a couple plays, but this is a different football team. This is at home. This is one of those early kicks that people talk about that. That, that we spent the whole offseason arguing whether um, a Pac-12 school is able to kick this early. They're going to kick off at 10 a.m. Pacific, so uh, an hour later than what everybody else has been arguing about is right. the problem. This is one hour later, you know, than what everybody's been arguing about getting the eyeballs in front of, and they're about to do it this weekend. They kick off at, at 10 a.m. Eastern against the Northern Illinois team. The other two games playing um, – in the Pac-12 that are playing against FCS opponents. Washington State plays Northern Colorado at home. I'll be at that game uh, being inducted into the, the, the Hall of Fame, which is well, congratulations. really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and they should thoroughly dominate there. We'll see a lot, of, a lot of players get in and play there. And then the other one is Sac State versus Arizona State. Arizona State, we didn't talk much about in our first podcast, um, but they, they thoroughly impressed. Jaden Daniels looked much better than anticipated as a freshman. Um, you know, it was also Kent State this week against Sacramento State. It's another opportunity for them to, to go through the, the reps and get some more experience because in week three, they go to East Lansing. And 
you know, that is one of the most difficult places to play in the country, let alone the Big Ten, uh, for his first, you know, real introduction to Power Five, I think, football. So that's your rundown of, uh, of week two. I'm excited for it. Um, I get the week off. I'm not calling a game, so I'll be able to pay a little more attention and really and really take a look at what this conference has to offer. I'm looking forward to that Nebraska-Colorado uh, game for the national conversation. But in conference, Cal, Washington, USC, Stanford. That's going to about do it. Ryan, congratulations on getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. That's an amazing honor. I feel even more blessed now to have you <laughs> sitting in my tiny Koreatown apartment doing this podcast. Uh, we appreciate this. And we have a full season of this to go. Thanks to Believe. Thanks to everybody uh, for making the first set of our podcasts possible. For Ryan Leaf, my name is Jonathan Rifkin. This is Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcasting Network. We'll be back next week with two new episodes. We'll talk about what happened in week two and get you set for week three, one of the most important weeks of the Pac-12 season. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And enjoy week two, everybody. It's going to be a really, really good one. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.